There are Jews in the world. There are Buddhists. There are Hindus and Mormons and then there are those that follow Mohammed's but I've never been one of them. How's your faith these days, Father? So big, so absolutely huge. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. What do we learn? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. And good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are. Welcome back to the podcast, and if this is your first time listening, welcome. I hope you enjoy, I hope you stick around for more. This is the first episode of the second season. Amazing, isn't it? We've been through an entire year. I haven't missed too many uh, episodes. I might go back and fill some in. And I'm getting off to a late start. What can I say? I just moved, and every everything went crazy. For example, I introduced my girlfriend to Fiat's, so now we are going after our second Fiat. I introduced her to Ikea, and I have spent the last month building about five grand worth of Ikea. That's why you haven't heard from me, by the way. And getting used to the fact that I get sick when it's cold. I'm not used to the cold. Anyway, I thought I would just hit it just like that. And I would run right into our lesson for this, which is being the first Sunday of Advent. We are going into the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. Welcome to Advent. But about that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had not known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. It's pretty, pretty intense that. Watch, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. I think that's what's wrong with a lot of us today. We've quit watching. Rather than living on tiptoe in an atmosphere of expectancy, we're drowning in pessimism and despair. Even Christians far and wide are prone to operate from fear rather than faith. I think that's why churches are faltering today. We're afraid. There's no faith. 
just how different we are from those earlier followers of Jesus. It was a lot more difficult for them to be Christians than for us. Only a handful and the staggering might of the Roman Empire were aligned against them. Yet they believed. They believed that God was with them. They believed that there was nothing they could not do in the power of his might. And that confidence was derived directly from their teacher. They marveled at his wondrous works. They marveled even more when he told them that after he was gone, they would do even greater works. And they did. Eventually, that handful converted a whole empire. He promised them that they would, and they did. Faith is... Faith that is always inspiring to behold. In uh, the Van Wyck books, uh, Van Wyck Brooks, I should say, in his book, The Flowering of New England, William Henry Channing, as a dynamic Boston preacher, had that kind of faith. As Brooks put it, Channing always felt when he arose from his bed that the one divine far-off event might occur before he sat down to breakfast. So there was an urgency and expectancy to his life. We need some of that urgency and expectancy today. You know, someone wrote, The improbable happens just as often to make life either disturbing or delightful. But the improbable does happen sometimes. Therefore, the Lord's word to us is, Watch. Dr. Albert Day published a little booklet called The Healing Ministry. In that book, he says there's a kind of poverty today that we need to be concerned with. And that this poverty is the expectation on part of many Christians. They don't expect God to do much in and through their lives. But if we had faith, he says, and if we let him, God could do so much for us and through us. Our chronic weakness is not that we expect too much from God, but that we trust him far too little. You know, that reminds me of a little boy I heard about. Seeking to emphasize the Christmas story of the star in the east compared to the other stars in the sky, his Sunday school teacher asked the class to count the number of stars they could see at night. Reporting answers the following Sunday was varied as to 149 to too many to count. You know, the pupils all agreed, but Bobby had a different answer. He was very positive. Three. But Bobby, asked the teacher, how is it that you saw so few stars when the other children found so many? And Bobby thought for a minute. Finally, he answered, well, our backyard is awfully small. So... Maybe that's what our problem is. Maybe our backyard is just too small. Our faith is too puny. There is not that sense of expectancy, of excitement, of excited anticipation that fired those early disciples. It is a poverty of expectation that keeps us from gaining great victories. Dr. William James once wrote, The greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering the attitude of the mind. 
If only you care enough for a result, you will certainly obtain it. Yes, the mold of man's future, the shape of his life and destiny, and the sum total of his accomplished achievements are in his own hands that hold the invisible brush that paints the pictures on the wall of his mind. It is these pictures of the mind that are the key. A college professor by the name of Joseph Powell expressed it well in his book, Fully Human, Fully Alive. Fully alive people find enjoyment in what others regard as drudgery or duty. They don't have to. They want to. They are aware of the thorns, but concentrate on the roses. Each day is new. It is never a carbon copy of yesterday. Fully alive people eagerly await new insights. These insights will renew them and their visions of reality. Robert Southey tells of a Spaniard who always put on his spectacles when he was about to eat strawberries so that they might look bigger and more tempting. I guess that's to say that life is often a matter of perspective. The person who expects the worst out of life usually gets it. There's an old German proverb, if you paint the devil on the wall, he'll come. And originally the devil was painted on the walls of homes out of primitive superstition that he would not come. However, by painting his visage where it could not be missed, a fixation upon his reality often took place. In short, what people expect is what they get. Psychologists call that a self-fulfilling prophecy. Our past experiences affect our expectations of the present and the future, and our expectations in turn affect our experiences. We can look for thorns or we can look for roses. Either way, we will probably find that which we are searching. There was a wife who tried to give her husband a cheerful welcome home from a tiring day at the office. But one day, she really had to work hard. Guess what, dear, she said as he entered the home. Out of our five children, four didn't break an arm today. And of course, there's the man who lived on the border between Wisconsin and Minnesota. He assumed he lived in Minnesota his entire life, but a new survey showed that he actually lived in Wisconsin, and he sighed. Thank goodness! I could never bear those Minnesota winters. And I especially liked the perspective of one little guy I heard about. He was most excited that he had pulled a cornstalk out by its roots. As when his father congratulated him, he beamed, And just think! The whole world had hold of the other end of it. Young seemed to have a natural gift and possess that sense of excitement about life. There's this revealing story about a family gathered in the library enjoying a magnificent thunderstorm when the mother thought of Jill alone in the nursery. Fearing the little girl was awakened and afraid, the mother slipped away to quiet her. I'm pausing at the door, however, in a flash of lightning that illuminated the whole room, she saw the little girl sitting up in bed, clapping her hands with excitement and shouting, Bang it again, God! Bang it again! Then there was Willie, five years old, who was taken by his father to a football game. However, the feature that caught his chief approval did not become evident 
until he said his prayers that night. To the horror of his parents, Willie prayed with true football step. God bless Papa. God bless Mama. God bless Willie. Ra ra ra. We have to learn cynicism and despair. And the young abound with enthusiasm and the conviction that nothing is impossible. Maybe that is why Jesus told Nicodemus that to enter the kingdom of God, he would need to be born all over again. Yet lest he enter the kingdom as a little child. Is not a child's enthusiasm and joy primarily the product of a complete sense of trust? A child has to be taught to fear and hate. Tell the child that a loving God watches over him day and night and he will not doubt it. If we could put, if we could but trust God half as much, we would be bubbling with enthusiasm and joy daily. So watch, therefore, for you do not know what day God is coming. You know, I, I read comics all the time. One of my co-workers used to always leave the Sunday comics out. And one day, there was a cartoon strip from Peanuts that kind of went like this. Snoopy the dog is feeling great. He comes dancing into the first frame and says to himself, Sometimes I love life so much I can't express it. The second frame, he continues to dance. I feel that I want to make the first person I meet and take them into my arms and dance merrily through the streets. In the third frame, he meets a very grumpy Lucy. Snoopy is silent. And in the fourth frame, he's dancing again. I feel that I want to take the second person I meet into my arms and dance merrily through the streets. You know, when you think of the possibilities God offers us through the babe of Bethlehem, it can make you want to dance. Helen Keller said the legend tells that when Jesus was born, the sun danced in the sky, and the aged trees straightened themselves and set forth a fragrance of blossoms once more. These are the symbols of what takes place in our hearts when the Christ child is born each year anew. Blessed by the Christmas sunshine, our natures, perhaps long leafless, bring forth new love, kindness, mercy, and compassion. The birth of Jesus was the beginning of Christian life. So unselfish joy at Christmas shall start the spirit that is the rule the new year. That's the spirit we need. We need to have done with our waddling in the muck and mire of despair. We have to begin watching the heavens for a star, a savior, one that will redeem us from our faithless ways. As the teacher instructed us, watch, therefore, for you do not know what day the Lord is coming. All right, so I guess that's it for this week, or at least for this episode. I'm going to be doing another episode this week and another episode, and then finally I'll be caught up with episode four. So listen well, keep well, love each other, and I'll catch you next episode. Love you, fuckers.